This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Today we're on the last lesson in our study. Luke 16, 1 and 2 tells us there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And this man was accused. He had been accused by his Lord that he had wasted his goods. And so he called to him and said, How, what's, what is this I hear about you? In other words, I've heard that you've been a bad steward. You've wasted what I gave to you. He said, give an account of your stewardship. Give an account. Now, we're talking about that today, giving an account. We've been talking about stewardship for this quarter, and we want to show today that we will be held accountable uh, opportunity, opportunity leads to accountability. Opportunity leads to accountability. If you have a, we live in an age, we live in a period of time where people do not want to assume responsibility for their actions rather than assuming responsibility for one's actions, it is very popular today to blame someone else for it. I like, this, I like the saying that Harry Truman had on his desk. Does anyone know what was on the saying that was up the sign that was on his desk, Joe? The buck stops here, and it does. And he did not blame anyone else for what was going on in our country or abroad, and he meant by that, I don't know all he meant by it, but one thing he meant by it was, I'm responsible for what happens on my watch. And man is an accountable being. You see, man is just not a machine that you turn loose. A machine that's turned loose is not responsible. They're talking about artificial intelligence now. I, I thought we had artificial intelligence a long time ago, the way some people act. I thought that it wasn't real. But they're talking about machines that will take over the world, you know. And Well, uh, man is not a machine. Man has, is, is an accountable being and he has responsibility and because we have responsibility then there's going to be accountability and we, we cannot be like Adam and blame someone else for what happened. We can't be like Aaron when, when he was asked why, why they had made a golden calf when Moses came down off Mount Sinai. He said he blamed the people. He actually, he said, I just threw it in the fire and the calf came out. He's actually blaming nature, wasn't he? Blaming the fire. You see, we have to say, we have to just man up 
and say, it's me, I, I'm, I, it's my fault. And that's the hardest thing for us to do. Now, uh, there was a sign in the, in the train depot in Manila, it's, and it said, the superintendent of the Manila uh, train is responsible for everything that happens or does not happen in the Manila train depot. That's a pretty long sign, but I think he understood what it meant to assume responsibility. And, and we have to give an account of the opportunities that we've had in life and the responsibilities that have been placed upon us. If you, if when you assume some leadership role in the church, for example, if you are appointed as an elder, you're appointed as a deacon, you're responsible. That means you are an, you 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 have responsibility uh, responsibility for the for the position that you have uh, been given, and you don't play with God's stuff. You don't play games with God. You assume that role because one day you'll have to give an account. I serve as one of the four elders, and it, it, it's, it's, it's frightening because of what Paul said, Noel. That is, if he be the writer of the Hebrew letter, ask Brother Pace back here what his daddy said about that. I, I doubt Paul wrote it, but, but that's neither here nor there. We all, I don't know why I got in the habit as a young man saying that. And I've kind of changed my mind in my old age. Obey the, those that have the rule over you. Who, who has a rule over the church? Who? I'm talking about on earth now. The elders do. Is there one elder that does that? It's the eldership. You see... Every elder in the church is responsible to elders. We've got four. I'm responsible to the other three. And if you pick out one of the other ones, he's responsible to the other three. We are all under an eldership. And that means I don't launch out and decide I'm going to change up everything here. That's wrong. You can't do that. And, and so we all have responsibility and elders have responsibility as those that will give an a what? An account. They will give an account. They will answer for their responsibility. And we all have opportunities. We have opportunities with our time. We have opportunities with our God-given abilities. Some people have the ability to, to, uh, to, to sing. Uh, Although I try real hard, I, I realize God never endowed me with that. He didn't really endow me there along that line. Enough to get by. Enough to get by with God. We, we're responsible. We, have, we, ha, we are responsible. I'm speaking to the choir now because your children are grown. We're responsible for little children. And I think in the church we have responsibility. When we know of children that are going hungry, we are responsible. And there are children that do go hungry. I could only wish that, that uh, 
we knew where they all were so we could feed them all. But our, our elementary school in Somerdale is unlike some of the other schools in Baldwin County. It has a lot of those kind of children in it. They go home at the end of the day, they know the best meal they got all day long was at school. Responsible. We're responsible to how we use our influence, whether it's for good, for bad, whether, and we're all channels, can be channels of blessing, or we can be a clog in the stream. It depends on how, how well I assume the responsibility for using my influence or setting a good example before the people. But we're likewise responsible for the use of our money. And there's a scripture I thought about in the book of James that might suggest that it's in the fifth chapter of James and verses one through number three. And if you'll be tolerant, and I'll find it here in a second. I really hadn't planned to read it, but I just decided to do it. Go to now, ye rich men. Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Notice verse 2. What? If you got your Bible open, what does he say about their money in verse 2? Your riches are corrupted. What about their clothes? They've eaten up by moths. Verse 3, your gold and silver is what? It's, it's what? Corroded. It's corroded. And the rust, the corrosion of your money is going to be a witness against you. Money doesn't corrode if it's in use. I think I told you not long ago about the penny I found in the floorboard of my car, of all places, dated 1888. And I checked to see what it was worth in its present condition, and it's worth $8. Had $8 laying in the floor. have no idea how it got there. But then I checked to see what kind of value it would be in if it were in mint condition or excellent condition. And it was between fourteen dollars and $17,000. Laying in the floorboard of the car. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been in mint condition? I would have, I would have shared a little bit of it with all of you. Pardon? It was in the floorboard of my car. I have no idea. I don't even remember dropping a penny in the floorboard of the car. But 18, it had been in circulation a long time. It was slick. It was, now suppose somebody had had that penny and they had been saving it and they had it stored up somewhere. You know, what, what kind of, what would it might possibly have looked like? Would have been slick and shiny. Yeah, this one was shiny. You, you could, you could, you. A lot of the writing has worn off down on it. That's the reason it was so worthless. 
but uh, I wouldn't call $8 for a penny worthless, but value compared to what it could have been worth, it was worthless to me. I gave it away to my trainer. He collects, he, he gets out with his uh, metal detector and finds coins all the time. So uh, why, why, why was it in that kind of shape? Because it had been in use. Somebody had had it and somebody else had had it. It had been passed around for years. Let's see, I tried to add up how old it was. Uh, it's old. It's nearly as old as I am. And uh, <laughs> did, you, did you all hear what Lewis said? He said, it's amazing, I just saw it. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Lewis? What are you trying to say? All right. We're going to give an account of our responsibilities, our opportunities. That, that's what we learned, and we studied this, the Matthew, the 25th chapter, and the parable of the talents. And, and a, a long time, there was a, a lord of the servants that came, and, and after he had given them talents, he, he asked them to give an account of what they had done with their talents. We studied about that earlier in our class. And talents was not innate ability that a person has, is money. And I think we talked about the likely value of what some of that money uh, could have been worth. And so he, they had to give an account of the way they'd used those talents. And in Luke, the 12th chapter, uh, there was a, the faithful steward is going to be made a ruler over his household uh, because he had been a good steward. I'm going to go quickly through these passages and I've already read to you from Luke chapter 16 and we've made some comments on that. So let's turn to the second page. We have just about enough time to cover that. Uh, we learn, we, if you've studied this lesson, you've learned how God deals with a bad steward. And in the 21st chapter of Matthew, he tell, tells us about a husbandman had a vineyard. And uh, the, the vineyard of the householder, uh, the vineyard belonged to the householder. And, uh, and he expected a return from uh, his those that were caring for the for the vineyard, and what he was expecting was a return with fruit. He was looking for fruit, and uh, there there are four things that he suffered. Number one, there was no rent received on the property. If you've ever rented property, you've been through that. No rent nowadays. You can't get them out of your property. There was a story that came out just recently about a woman down in Florida had people break into her home, and, uh, and she can't get them out. She they broke in, took over, no rent. There was a mistreatment of his servants. The steward tried to take his property uh, from him, and his son was killed. Now, if you study the meaning of all of that, this has to do with the Jews and their treatment of Jesus but they were not good stewards of all the blessings that they had received as God's chosen people at that time. 
Now, would you consider the man, the farmer, the 12th chapter of Luke, a good and bad steward? Well, what did he do? Well, he, he said, well, I've got so much produce. What I'm going to have to do is tear down my barns. And I'm going to have to go down and get them to come out here and build me a bigger barn. He went into the barn building business. The bigger barn building business. How's that for alliteration? And, uh, and, and, and the Lord came to him and told him, you're a fool. This very night, your soul's going to be required of you. This man said, I've got goods laid up for how long? Many years, many years. But he said, you might, you're going to die tonight. And, and said, who's going to belong to then? The, the property that you own now one day will belong to someone else. I've often thought it might be better to go ahead and put it in the kid's name since they're going to get it anyway. And if there's any taxes, let them pay it. But I know they'd, they'd appreciate that, but I don't plan to do that anytime soon. There are, when you get to, to the point of having to go into a nursing facility, if that's what you do, there are advantages, and you're a good steward if you do it, advantages to having that property out of your name for a certain number of years, or else the state will take it. The state will take it away from I've, I've been down that road with my, with my mother when she was in the nursing home, and fortunately they didn't take the house away from my daddy. And uh, so uh, that, but, but this man was not a good steward. He had to give an account of his stewardship and it cost him his soul. And there are a lot of ways that people are not faithful as stewards. They can hoard their money for themselves. They can, whether with, uh, I, I think there's so many ways that people spend money foolishly, don't you? They just waste it. I've often thought, why don't they just pile up a bunch of money and set it on fire? Instead of doing a little piece at a time, just set it on fire. And then some people drink their money, drink it away. They just waste the money. And a lot of ways, they gamble it away. Go down here to Biloxi, gamble it away. Come back broke. Think, go down there with all these high dreams. You're going to make a big killing down there. Come back. Had to beg for your next meal. See? And there are a lot of ways. And then, and then I think another way that we're not faithful is we don't share what we have with, with, with other people, especially people that are in need. And uh, that, there's so many needs in this world, all over the world. And then a failure to give to God to help support the work of the church, I think, is another way. But let's think about good stewards. There's about five different points we want to make here about a good steward and what a good steward is or what a good steward does. And the first thing we notice is that a good steward recognizes that he or she owns what? How much? Nothing. Remember, I had us to write that down one Sunday. I own nothing. And you say, well, it's got my name on the title. Well, let me ask you a question. Whose name will be on that title in a hundred years? Somebody else's name. You don't own it. You, you, have, you have, God has allowed you to have it 
for a period of time. And then it will pass on to someone else. They may not be a good steward. They may be a good steward. But we are responsible for what we have right now. And uh, uh, we, because it all belongs to God. You remember we read from Psalms chapter 24 and verse 1. Where the psalmist said the earth is whose? The Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it belongs to God. I recall us studying back in 1 Chronicles 29. This is where David, although David wanted to build a temple, he was not allowed to do so because he was a man of war and God did not allow him to do so. But he did allow Solomon to build a temple. And that's often referred to as Solomon's temple because he was the, led in the construction of it. But what God did allow David to do was to collect funds or resources that would be useful in building or used in building the temple. And I remember one statement we read there that, and it, and it teaches this principle, and this is, and this is also in verse 11 as well as verse 14, if I recall correctly, that there's nothing that you can give God that he didn't already own. Nothing you can give to God that was not already his. And, and we just, it, it's just been loaned to us for a short period of time. The early Christians in the fourth chapter of Acts had land and they sold that land. And they laid that money down at the feet of the apostles. One of those was a man by the name Barnabas did that. He was one of them that did that. This is the 32nd verse, Acts chapter 4. It's on page 35 down toward the bottom of the page there. Neither said any of them that any of the things which he possessed was what? His own. It wasn't mine anyway. It wasn't mine anyway. He said, well, I, I, I paid for that car. Good. And where did you get the money to pay for the car? Well, I worked for it. Well, who gave you the power to get wealth? According to Deuteronomy 8.18. Well, God. So you see, it all gets back to God, doesn't it? Where everything comes from. And uh, so a good steward recognizes that everything belongs to God. And, and in fact, it does. And then a good steward will make an increase of all that God has given him. That was the downfall of the one talent man in Matthew 25. The five talent man did what with his talents, you recall? How, what did he do with them? Well, he invested. How much did he wind up with? Twice as much. So he had ten talents. Here's a two-talent man. He did the same with his. He invested. He wound up with four. One-talent man did what with his? All right, buried it in the ground, didn't he? And, I, 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 and, uh, and he said, oh, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, so I scared to death. I was afraid. And, of course, he had a, a, a horrible outcome of his stewardship, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Well, why didn't he say, well, Lord, here's a man you gave five, he's got ten, and here's a man you gave two, and he's got four. I still have one. Let's put them all together. We'll have 15 and divide them equally among ourselves. 
Why wouldn't that work with the Lord? Because every man had responsibility for the proper use, and, and they fulfilled that responsibility, except one did not. A good steward surveys the needs of the church, and he dedicates what he has, he or she has, to its growth and expansion. That's one of the things we learn in our study, that we give, we give the money to God. The church is merely the, the conduit through whom we give the church to God, uh, the money to, to God. It all belongs to God. We're giving it back to God. We, we glorify God in the church, Ephesians 3.21. That's the reason I'm, I do not, I, I think it's okay after we uh, give our, what we're going to give to the Lord through the church, we can go out and help somebody else, you know, uh, individually. Uh, that's fine if you're able to do that. And I'm sure sometime you help maybe the Heart Association, the Cancer Fund, the police. I'm just calling out the names of people call me all the time. <laughs> the police and the, the sheriff department, and all of those kinds of things. And, uh, I, I, uh, but we are to give to help support the work of the church. And it, it, because the work of the church is really whose work? Is it, really, is, it, is, it, is it the elders' work? It's God's work. It's God's work. And the elders have a fiduciary responsibility to use the funds that are given wisely to support the Lord's work. We can't waste it. And, 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 and say, well, you know, we, we got all this money. Let's just, let's just throw a big party for the church out here on the, out in the yard somewhere. There may be times that, that we support things like that, but there's a reason for it. There's a spiritual reason for it. There must be a spiritual reason for it. And then a good steward is faithful in all things. You know, we studied Luke 16, and you remember that if a man is faithful in that which is least, he'll be faithful also in that which is much. If he's unjust in the least, he will be unjust in what? Somebody says, well, you know, if I, just if I, could, just, if I could just have a lot of money, you just don't know what I would do for the church. Well, let me ask you, what are you doing with what you got? You know, that's what Jesus is saying. If you, won't do, if you won't do for the Lord with what you have, you wouldn't do for the Lord if you had more. Uh, somebody says, well, if I hit the lottery, of course you would say like the, the member of the church down in Florida, down around Orlando, found a lot. He claimed he found this lottery ticket on the sidewalk and he won a million dollars, you know. And he gave $100,000 to the church. Well, if he, if, if he found a ticket and it wasn't his ticket, why didn't he give it all to the Lord? Because I think he bought it. I, I have no idea he didn't find it on it. How many people are going to lose a ticket worth a million dollars on the sidewalk? I, that's just kind of unlikely. I'm, okay, we'll leave, that. we'll leave the poor fellow alone. He's got his conscience to deal with. 
And then a good steward in closing will be made ruler over greater things, Luke 12, 42. He said, of a truth I say unto you that he will make you ruler over all that he hath. And uh, in verse uh, 43, he said, blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he comes, finds him so doing. That is, he's using what he has given, been given as a steward wisely. And so we have a challenge before us. And, and that's to use everything God has given to us in a wise way. I'm to use my time wisely. I'm to use my influence to the best advantage of the Lord's cause. Never be a reproach. And even the money that I earn or money that I have, even if it comes from Uncle Sam once a month, Social Security, I'm still a steward of that. I'm to use it wisely. And, and I've known a people say, well, I got Social Security, I get Social Security, so don't earn anything. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Don't pull that trick on the Lord. You, you'll never get away with it. Never get away with it. All right. Our time is up for today. Any, anybody have anything you want to say? Amen. Thank you. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. Please do that. And may I urge you, please, to pick up the phone, call for the Bible course, or if you prefer, take it online. But whatever you do, let's get involved in studying more about the gospel. Please, let's do that. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Oh